Yes, I knew Sister White. We will not fear. The kingdom is alive. The kingdom's on the move with the poor and the meek and the hungry and the lonely. I'll never forget it. Thanks so much for doing this, Ray. It's an honor to be talking with you. Good to be here. So um, we're talking to you in the context of your work as the Director of Communication and Community Engagement for the Pacific Union Conference. And I'd love for you to break apart those two parts of your job, the communication part and community engagement. What do those mean? Well, community engagement, let's start with there because that's the one that gets the least amount of attention. I think those are words that we're beginning to use more frequently and use in different ways. Uh, we have in the denomination, the churches, the, the structure of the church, a lot of times when we've used the community, we've either meant community services, which is kind of code language for old ladies. Mm -hmm. And these are old saints. I mean, these are sure. wonderful, amazing people yeah. that our churches, they're the lifeblood of the church. But nonetheless, it's kind of code language for what they do yeah and or it means community meaning this undescribed thing that's outside of us that we wish we had better impact on let's reach out to our community is a pretty poorly defined phrase yeah so um but and the engagement word i think we're bringing that in from the rest of the nonprofit world which is recognizing that particularly as digital tools social media, and I'm really thinking about not just Facebook, but things like uh, LinkedIn, where there's there's real energy below the expression, uh, where there are huge sectors that are worried about things like who's got the money and who's got the influence, yeah. who's got the talent. Mm -hmm. uh, in the nonprofit world, we're, we've learned that we really can are more concerned about engagement, yeah. who's engaged in a community, and impact, who's in, impacting a community. So the organizations which are continuing to thrive are those which are impactful, and that Im impact is almost always around engagement first. It starts there. So community engagement for us means finding ways to uh, be involved with communities of various types and, and sizes, not just the traditional, we want to reach our community, but communities of interest and influence where we can be engaged for impact. Um, and it can be one of the communities that we've tried to reach more fully into are uh, professional artists and designers and and people who uh, work with, uh, with the concepts around visual arts and, and uh, in television, those sorts of things. That's a community that, for the most part, is outside of us because we don't think of them as a community. We think of them as a workforce or whatever. Yeah. So that's the community engagement side. Um, let's Before we talk about commu the communication side, can you just um, describe a little bit about the um, – or give us a sense of the diversity of the communities that the Pacific Union Conference serves? Well, we have, you know, 55 million plus people in the four state, the five states that we serve, California, Hawaii, Arizona, Nevada, and Utah. We have seven conferences in those, um, in that space. 
our four California conferences are huge. Yeah. And then our, our four other, uh, the other conferences, Nevada, Utah is one conference, which takes in two states. Arizona is a conference and Hawaii is a conference. Uh, just knowing that tells you the demographic diversity yeah. that we have. Of the 50 largest markets in the United States, 16 of them are in the Pacific Union. So we have a great deal of economic diversity as well because in addition to those 16, we have hundreds of small communities, uh, farming communities and uh, rural communities and communities within communities. So yeah, uh, the diversity, I mean, I'll, I think about 28% of our membership are Hispanic, about 19 or more percent are, uh, are African-American or black. Uh, about nine to eleven percent, if I remember, are Asian. So uh, the Caucasian community, our membership, is not the majority and never will be, even though it's still the largest um, single group. Yeah, none of us uh, labor under the notion that these groups are all of one type just because they share a language or a color. Mm -hmm. um, and so there's a lot of diversity around that too. We're a we love being a diverse place and uh, and that's one of our strengths and it's one of the things i think that we've been gifted with is to be able to provide great spiritual growth experiences opportunities for uh being part of of something that matters to you and that you can make a difference in in a, a wide variety of ways i think perhaps we're the that may be our our, our greatest strength actually yeah. Well, that's great to get a sense of the this kind of uh, um, huge amount of folks that are part of it and the really interesting kind of breakdown. Now, how do you communicate with all those folks? Well, that's a great question, I, and you know that's a it's a moving target because truthfully, communication is one of the industries that drives the West. I mean, the, the movie industry is here. The yeah uh, news industry is here. The television industry is here the, the the music industry is here the way people get ideas mm -hmm. some of those the anchor points for the big ideas are right here in our area and we have to be smart about that because our members and the people that we want to communicate with are are very smart about that and they're very fluent with not just the technology but with the way the way the technology should work for them yeah uh, we have been working hard for the last couple of years trying to diversify the ways in which we are communicating with our members and with the general community. So we used to have, we've had, we're really proud of the fact that the Pacific Union Recorder has been around since 1905 and uh, is, uh, you know, it's one of the flagship yeah. publications of the church. But we've really strengthened that over the last couple of years of, uh, double the size of the magazine itself, uh, deepened the type of content that we were yeah. doing in the magazine. And one of the most important things that we've done this year is we've launched a Spanish language version of it. Great. So we have a quarterly version of the recorder now in Spanish, which is, a, I think, a response to the diversity of our membership in the print side. Uh, we've got a weekly uh, video uh, webcast that we do every week with Connie Vanham and Jeffrey called All God's People, 
which just is a kind of a look in on what's going on in the church around the Pacific Union. We do a, we have a twice a week uh, email thing called Pacific Sunrise, which shows up in your mailbox at 7 a.m. Uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays, and it's cheery and bright-hearted and uh, very generative and positive about what's going on, in, particularly in our schools and our churches, mm-hmm. uh, that uh, a lot of people love it just because it's such a great blast of good news when there's so many other places which seem to be you know, whipsawed by not by bad news but by confusion. Yeah, uh, we have a publishing arm that we call Oak and Acorn Publishing, where mm-hmm. we're publishing some books that uh, help our pastors and our church leaders, particularly, but also members, uh, grapple with some of the issues that may not uh, be taken up by other publications. We've had some great success with that. Yeah. Um, and then we have a very active now social media presence so um, in the short time only a couple of years that we've been working trying to establish social media our you know our numbers if you would our metrics on facebook and instagram and twitter are really good and people are using that as a way to understand the church thankfully we've been able to avoid controversy with that conversation yeah. which is one of our goals is to really kind of get past the was everybody talking about to what's it mean to be an Adventist Christian in the West? How does that impact your own life? How does that change the way you interact with the people around you? What do you have to bring to the table, if you would, to help the people around you to, for your own engagement with them? So, um, I want to come back to that topic, but uh, going back to Oak and Acorn, I think that's been a really interesting initiative by the Pacific Union where you just um, kind of went uh, around the usual um, gatekeepers in Adventism as a union, and you didn't um, build a brand new printing press and move a lot of people somewhere. Um, But instead, you've had an incredible impact with uh, some really interesting authors. Do you mind just detailing a few of the folks that you've been publishing? Well, we started uh, Oak and Acorn Publishing with the notion that because we have so many academically trained individuals in our membership here, that those persons should have a chance and an opportunity to share what they know and have learned. We probably have more uh, deeply skilled pastors than any other uh, Adventist community on the planet. Plus, we have three uh, universities here. Loma Linda University is here. La Sierra University is here. Pacific Union College, all of which have s- schools of theology. Yeah. And then we have a whole bunch of retirees yeah. that have worked for the church or worked in schools or have uh, worked in industries uh, that require scholarship. Those voices need to be, they need a chance for their ideas to be shared. So that's where we started, and uh, early on, we had the opportunity to publish a couple of books by William Johnson, who was the editor of the Adventist Review for 25-plus years. So kind of, in a lot of ways, he's the visiting pastor of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. He's retired in Loma Linda, and he's a very skillful writer. He loves his church. He loves young people. He loves talking about big ideas. And so uh, Elder Johnson did two great books for us. Uh, and he's not afraid to speak his mind, he's, which is yeah, really refreshing. And he does that in the context of complete loyalty and yeah. orthodoxy. There's not 
he's not troubled by his Adventism. Yeah. Um, He's just troubled by other people's Adventism. Yeah, he's troubled by what might or might not be happening to the church, and so he wants to share that. George Knight, we did a book uh, that he felt very strongly about, and um, even though both those authors continue to publish with other uh, publishing ventures, we felt, and they felt, that what they had to share uh, would not be welcomed in some some other forms. And so... um, and frankly, it's it's done really well. We've you know we're fortunate we don't have to build a big press or a big warehousing, and we work very closely with Pacific Press. They're the publisher of our recorder, so we don't see ourselves as competitive with them. We don't want to be competitive with them, mm-hmm. but we do see ourselves as providing some resources that may not uh, reach the church in any other way. And that's we we've had that success. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, Reinder Brunsman did a great book with us on last generation theology that I think is very needed, necessary. Yeah. Uh, uh, Gil Valentine did a wonderful book uh, with us about how uh, the white estate found its way to the general conference and how in the, in the 30s and the 40s that there was a great debate about whether this was going to be a church resource or whether it was going to be owned by the family or a sect within Adventism. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, it's got fascinating implications for us today. Hmm. Uh, Ron Grable, we republished a book from the 70s that uh, Grable had done called Mission to Black America, which is, uh, I think, an important uh, chapter in our understanding of of work among African Americans. And uh, we just recently published uh, with him a book called Visions and Revisions, which is a, really the first look at the at the um, holographs, the actual writing of Ellen White compared to what ended up in print and and the process that she supervised and was a part of for that to become the writings of Ellen White. Hmm. Um, That book has 700 footnotes, so it's not one of those books you pick up on a Sabbath (laughs) afternoon and expect to get through it. But it's a very serious uh, bit of work and, and sort of in the same way that Bill Johnson's uh, perspective is that he's an Adventist, Orthodox, loves the church, but also has strong feelings. Ron's book takes up some ideas, which, you know, you have to grapple with a bit. Yeah. Our most recent book is uh, a book by uh, John Brunt, who was a pastor here and a teacher here for a long time and is retired now, but called Enjoying Your Bible. And it's just a refreshing opportunity to reacquaint, you know, yourself or to become uh, reacquainted with the scripture in the way that it, the scripture presents itself as opposed to being used as a tool for something. Yeah. It's a, it's a fabulous book and it is one of those Sabbath afternoon reads. Good. And, um, maybe like a Sabbath school class could pick it up and it would enjoy be a, it together. It would be a great journey for a weekend or a quarter together with a, with a small group of people. And, uh, there is a steady guide incorporated into the book. Um, that's, that's, makes that easy to do and in all in almost all of the books that i've named uh, there has been a spanish language version of those mm, so we have a we made a strong commitment to trying to bring uh content both ways there's we have st- some stuff that's in spanish and there's going to english but also kind of the other one is any this english content has been translated into spanish in elder johnson's case the books have been also translated into 
Japanese and Mandarin and German and Portuguese and French. I can't even remember all the people that have Great. picked up that book and are, are using it. So, yeah, that's been a useful and, and you know, it's, it's been a blessing. And we're proud of it. We've got a dozen or so books in the works. And um, some of them are going to be more provocative and others will be more pastoral. As someone who's read Cole Porter Ministry through more than once and also the publishing work compilation, I salute you for <laughs> scattering the truth like the leaves of autumn. It was from Elm's Haven that uh, Ellen White really began to understand, I think, the, uh, the impact of a body of work. So this is a Western tradition. Yeah. And um, some of the most important works were written here right in the West, and we embrace all of that and the spirit of it as well. Good. And also, you know, the freedom of the press belongs to the man who owns one. And so uh, <laughs> we're, you know, there are some things that we thought were important to be said and to be read. And uh, this is an opportunity for us to do this. And I hope we're doing it in a, in a responsible manner in a way that builds up the church because it's not our intent to do anything besides that. And like I said, we, we maintain a very warm relationship with, with the other publishing yeah, outfits, Adventist Source, Advent Source and Pacific Press. These are not just our friends, but they're our partners. And uh, we feel very strongly and um, we're motivated to help them sell their books to yeah. our members. And they, they've they been supportive. There's not been a rivalry. If anything, there's been a sense that this is good for the tradition. That's great. So um, let's jump into the... Uh, you, you talk about the kind of messages that are being put out by um, not just your publishing work, but the general communication theme, which is really about supporting um, the church in your territory. But this uh, church, um, this Adventist church in this territory, the Pacific Union, has been under attack by the General Conference. Um, it's been called non-compliant for our support of the equality of women in ministry. And I'd love for you to just kind of take us into your head as you um, think about how you uh, pastor your, because what you do is not just about the kind of direct communication, but it's also about the care that you have for um, these followers of Jesus and these fellow Adventists. So how do you um, frame that, and how do you think about that in terms of your own work? Well, I want to say at the beginning that our focus has never been around any conflict that we might have with any other organization, but it has been, our focus has been on what we really truly feel called to be in terms of the church here in the southwestern uh, Pacific mm -hmm. part of the United States. The um, the conflicts that we've had are kind of unfortunate byproducts of a much more important hmm. conversation, and that that conversation is what we keep our our minds focused on and our work focused on. I hope, and I don't. I mean, I hope that the, whatever conflicts we're in are resolvable, which is the way communities and churches, particularly, should be able to do. They, we should be able to express conflicting ideas and work through what those mean. Yeah. Um, that's 
that's what Jesus wants us to do, I think. So, but having said that, yes, we're definitely on a journey of trying to to be a better reflection of the New Testament, of the calling of every person to be a, a disciple, and uh, and to use whatever gifts God gives you uh, in the most powerful way possible for the people around you and the people that you love and the people that you'd like to influence, and that that cannot exclude women, and and we we can't not seriously say that yeah and exclude women and uh, and so our uh, our constituents have affirmed this uh, repeatedly overwhelmingly yeah our executive committee which is very diverse there's uh, conservative and uh, less conservative people on that group and our the officers of the conferences and of the uh, Pacific Union. I don't think they would ever say they're united on uh, the various ideas, but I think they would say they're united on that these ideas belong to to us together. Mm. And they're able to stand together. Um, We've learned how to take care of one another and care for each other and to provide a space for each other. And I think that's one of the reasons that we're being blessed and why our churches are are blessing the communities that they're in is because there's not just one way to be an Adventist, but every way that that you can express your faith belongs in the community. You know, I don't I don't know a single pastor on either side of the of this uh, equality and ministry conversation who greets members or greets visitors at the door by asking them where they stand on women's ordination. <laughs> uh, when, uh, when a pastor, and maybe there are some, but I don't know any, the pastors that I know, when someone comes up their steps, in their hearts and in their minds, there's only one question, how can I help these people? Mm-hmm. And that's such a powerful place to begin that um, there's not really... A great reason to move away from that. Um, there's no compelling reason or rationale that we should not be driven by that um, that perspective from the very, very beginning, and just maintain that. Um, you know, I in 1853, James White was the editor of the Adventist Review and Public Herald, and um, he got a letter from some Seventh Day Baptists asking, "What is it that you Adventists?" believe. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure he'd received other mail with that question, but as the editor of the review, and this is before we were the organizers of Seventh-day Adventist Church, we were really just a movement of yeah. Adventists. But as the editor of that publication, he chose to answer this one in print. And he, I, I should have written it down, but he said, we come together from all over the Millerite movement, mm-hmm. but we stand together on the great platform of the Sabbath. And because we stand here, all party divisions, he says, fall away, Hmm. which I love that, the notion that we have things which are so important to us that other things cannot distract us from those things. And then he says, we are the ones who love each other, love the truth, and love a perishing world. Hmm. And I've always felt like he put his fingers on on the things which really give us energy on Sabbath morning. We come because we love each other. We come because we want to we we want to understand the the truth of the gospel and the Bible in a more full way. And we come because we think we have a message for the world that should change the way uh, 
people live their lives and, and the way they make decisions in their lives. I don't see a good reason to abandon that. And I think we've tried to find out what that means uh, in very specific terms here. And the the struggle for equality in ministry or, or um, at least uh, equal ordination, if we want to call it that, has been framed by that more than by by anything else. Yeah. I, I, I hope that no one would think that um, that that's not our greatest, uh, our, our most important yeah. uh, task and that um, and that we would not be distracted from that. And thank God our and really thank God that our executive committee and our leadership, any time that we have had to respond to um, developments in the way this is all uh, been discussed and voted and things that have happened. That's always been the anchor point that we've gone back to. And I don't see that changing. I think that's, that's the way it should be. And that's going to, that's the way it's going to continue to be. One last question. I really like how you took this contentious issue and, and put it in the context of the local church, the local pastor greeting someone and wondering how um, he or she could help them. And um, I'm wondering if you would just, uh, as we wrap up here, um, tell me what gives you hope as you look around your territory and your church. I certainly see more energy and positive things happening in local churches and local schools and in the hospitals uh, and in the places where we have an Adventist name or presence then I see negative things. Uh, people are being blessed every single Sabbath, you know, in 800 place, 800 plus places across our union. The, the doors are open and the gospel's being preached. And the hospital system is doing amazing work in their, their hospitals and in every ward and every clinic. And our schools, we have over, we have 30 plus academies, which is the lion's share of the yeah. entire division. Uh, we have two uh, institutions of higher ed plus Loma Linda, all of which every single day, I believe, uh, God is doing amazing things. I, we see so many great things that give you, they give us courage. We, we frankly don't have enough ways to tell that story. Um, but having said that, it also, one of the things that surprises me perhaps, or affirms me is how durable the big ideas of Adventism are that that there's a reason for rest that there's a reason for taking care of yourself that there's a reason for finding god in a specific way that there's a reason for believing in a in a, a set of ideas which guide you and can and can can make you uh aware of what the implications of your decisions are that mm. that doctrines have relevance that that um it's a very powerful idea that we have that every part of your life is important to God and there's no part of your life that God wants to set aside or squander. And I think it's a very important idea that we have that, that we are all part of a community which not just serves us, but w which requires us to give back, to serve. Uh, I think those are big evidence ideas which are not just uh, not going to go away, but they become more and more relevant as time goes along. Uh, the idea that how you serve the people around you, how you take care of people in need, 
how you respond to emerging human need. And it expresses itself in so many unexpected ways that we've, Adventists have never been afraid of that. We've always jumped right into the fray sure. with, with that. And that's not going away. If anything, it's become the thing that people look at and say, we should live that way too. And I think also perhaps less um, explicitly, but implicitly anyway, is uh, Adventist leadership, pastors, the women and men who stand in front of our, our uh, churches, they're finding ways, I think, for, for those Adventist, those big Adventist ideas to be an expression of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They want to align the gospel with those ideas and not allow the gospel to be aligned with ideas which are not compatible with that. Yeah. Um, and we see that happening. We see people using the gospel in a way that's not, it's not the way that Jesus would talk, but they, there doesn't seem to be a lot of care about that in some traditions. I don't think that's true in Adventism, largely. Maybe pockets on the left and the right, you have people that are abusing it, but not, uh, for the most part, no. Uh, we are a worshiping community and an activist community and a uh, engaging community that really believe that the way we live matters and that we we want lives that make sense and that make a difference. And if that's a church that we can become, I think there's a future for us. And I do think that that's, that's our biggest hope. That was uh, great to hear from you. Thank you so much for talking with me today. Glad to be here. Yes, I knew Sister White. We will not fear.